Hey there, humans. Welcome to Sinister Soup, the show where we discuss genre fiction through the lens of literature, film, ridiculous conversation, and tasty beer. Beer. I am one of your hosts, Clay Vermolum. I am your other host, Travis Vermolum. And today we are going to start the show the way we start every episode of the show, with our first segment, Bring Some Culture. Travis... Yay! How does bring some culture work? Ah. Uh, We go out in the world um, and scour the interwebs and the other webs and (laughs) try and find things that we find cool and um, informative, either in an artistic lens or just, I don't know, maybe donate to a good cause or just honestly, it has no real rules. We just find stuff we like. Uh, either for heartwarming reasons or just because cool thing is cool and bring it to you and hope that you also enjoy it yeah when we originally came up with the idea for this segment our mission was to just shine a light on like uh fellow artists or like entrepreneurs or businesses that are doing good things for the world and I think we've stuck to that pretty well, but it also, <laughs> it's really just about shining a light on, on things that we think are cool and deserve recognition. Cause that's all part of culture. Culture is, uh, all, all humanity doing things for each other, doing things for themselves. And yeah. Yeah, indeed. So, uh, what, what'd you bring? Well, um, I kind of went to the fun thing is fun, uh, category this week. And I brought a YouTube channel that studies the art of mixology, which I would consider is an art, just like cooking. It is not an easy thing to do well. So there's a YouTube channel called How to Drink. And the reason I like this guy is he is also kind of a huge nerd. And he makes a lot of like nerd based drinks on his show so he has like video game based drinks like if you play this video game try this cocktail while you play it it has the same aesthetic he made like his own butterbeer from harry potter he'll make like the different sodas from games and stuff like the actual drinks that you see in games that are fictional he'll like try and make them to make them look the same and like nuka cola from fallout or even just in like a game, uh, I mean a book, not a game, he'll he'll think of something. Um, but yeah, I just think it's kind of cool how he brings a different flavor of that kind of mixing his nerd fascinations with mixology. And also, um, it's just kind of cool to have some ideas for if you ever throw like a cocktail party or even if you're just at home, want to mix up a drink and you don't want some something boring that you're used to. Yeah how to drink i uh, i'd like to check it out but i need to know one thing first what's that does he have an episode where he makes the best drink in the universe which is a pangalactic gargle blaster i'm not sure i would not be surprised i'm pretty new to his channel so if you search through there it's very possible i wouldn't put it past him yeah that's gonna be a big one for me i'd, I'd love <laughs> i'd love to i'd love to know how to make that drink I mean, I know how, because the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has the recipe. Yeah. But I don't know where to get a hold of, like, the tooth of an Algolian sun tiger, so. (laughs) He might. He very well might. 
I hope he does. Mm-hmm. I hope he does. I, this week, am bringing a book blog called No Beauty, Just a Book Nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is from a listener of the show and a peer of mine who I met on LinkedIn. And she is a very awesome personality on LinkedIn. She's very supportive of all writers and creators on there. She's uh, always in the comments, always offering helpful feedback, and always willing to have a conversation with you about your work or things that you're talking through on social media. Um, And then her uh, blog is a really fun blog to read through. She does a great job of um, summarizing the books that she reads uh, she has some great lists on there huh. and yeah uh she also does a lot of like uh blogging about like overarching themes uh that <laughs> then cover like numerous books oh that's fun yeah so she does a cool some cool things with that like uh it's not just simply book reviews like she'll she kind of will pick a theme and run with it um and then she's got like her 17 books to read again for the uh, that she wishes she could read again for the first time is a really good list of books as well and she is the reason we are reviewing today's uh book because she suggested it um so yeah her name is ashley samick and her blog is no beauty just a book nerd and i highly recommend checking it out it's a lot of fun all right i love book blogs book tubes book talks I don't know. It's just really, I, I find something so fun and satisfying about like hearing other people's thoughts and opinions and analyses on books I've read. Even oh, if yeah. I disagree, it's just like a cool community to be part of. Agreed. Yeah. And she's very much a part of that community. So yeah, if you're into uh, book blogging and just uh, having discussions about books, she's both a book blogger and a a person who's very open to discussion online and stuff like that so definitely go check her out right on speaking of our book suggestion for the week from one of our uh cultures of the week we are moving on to our next segment forced entrollment in forced entrollment we roll a dice uh 20 sided dice a d20 for all of you who play D&D and the lower roll gets to defend or sorry the book the lower role gets to argue that the book or movie we were talking about is a terrible piece of art and should not see the light of day the higher role gets to argue that it is a wonderful piece of art and everyone should try and enjoy it um we also have added a trivia component which i will get to after I describe the book to you. This week, we are arguing about Heart-Shaped Box by Joe Hill. Heart-Shaped Box is a book about a washed up, well, not really washed up, more retired um, hard rock superstar in the vein of Ozzy Osbourne and all those greats, who is living his retired life in a isolated farmstead with his current girlfriend, whom he calls Georgia. Um, though her name is Mary Beth, and he buys a ghost online, and the ghost arrives in the form of a suit that is kept inside of a heart-shaped box. And as he unveils the suit and starts to sort of realize that he may have actually purchased a real ghost, he also begins to realize this ghost has a lot more to do with his personal history than he thinks. 
Um, it is a horror novel, a uh, very gothic horror novel. Joe Hill is Stephen King's son, but has been trying to set aside his own distinctive style. And this book was uh, definitely an attempt at that. But trivia, Clayton will bring me a question this week. And if I get it right, I get to roll with advantage, which means I get to roll the D20 twice and take the higher roll. And if I get it wrong, Clayton gets the advantage. So what's the trivia question, bro? All right. Here's my trivia question. Um, Jude in Heart Shaped Box, that's the main character, Jude. Mm -hmm. He always calls his affairs, his girlfriends, by the name of their home state, uh, much to all of their all of their liking. They all love mm -hmm. that. So he's he has a few girls that he mentions in this story. Uh, one in particular is his ex-attorney, is still his attorney, but is his ex-girlfriend. Um, so which state was she from? Oh, ex-attorney. Mm -hmm. Ex-girlfriend, current attorney. I misspoke. Yeah, he like barely mentions her. Yeah, she's not, she's mentioned early because he like calls because he's in trouble. He's like. Uh, worried about his uh, secretary guy. Yeah, yeah. And then she's in the kind of more towards the end as well. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I have no idea, so I'm just going to take a wild guess. I'll, g I'll give you multiple choice. Okay. Give me multiple. Since you, uh, yeah, I'll give you multiple choice because you did that for me. Yeah. So is she from California, mm -hmm. Utah, mm -hmm. Tennessee, or Alabama. I mean it's either C or D I think because it would stick to the theme of the book. The book is very deep south. So I'm just since I don't know I'm just going to go the deepest south of the four and say Alabama. Sorry man. Tennessee. No. Oh, that was yeah. I was so close. You were you were I tried to throw you off with like a way out of the south one. I knew it wouldn't be one of those cuz all his girlfriends yeah or southern but they, they are florida georgia yeah i was i tennessee. was thinking it would be more alabama than tennessee tennessee's a bit more northern um darn <laughs> yeah. all right i you thought i might get it the... okay are we gonna roll yep let's do it let's do it, it 16 really i got a nat one <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> All right. All right, then. So that means I go first. Indeed. What is good about Heart-Shaped Box? Well, it's a good book, just overall. I think it does a really good job. I knew that Joe was Stephen King's son going into it because I have watched a lot of Stephen King interviews and he talks about Joe Hill all the time. I also have read... A few of Joe Hill's short stories, um, which I really enjoyed, that I've read of his, that were collected. Uh, one was collected in in a best horror stories of the year kind of thing. He very much has his own style. Um, he is definitely not riding his father's coattails, in my opinion. I mean, he's a horror writer, so obviously you can make the argument that they stick to a lot of the same like macabre themes and stuff. But yeah. I think that Joe Hill does a real job of his pacing is very different than Stephen King's. 
Uh, Stephen King tends to really draw out his expositional phases. Uh, he has pretty slow burn horror stories a lot of the time, where it kind of gets like right to the action. I think mm-hmm. um, in Heart Shaped Fox, like he's buying that ghost in like the first chapter. You know, he just gets mm-hmm. right to it, and it's like he did a really great job too of painting a very full picture of Jude as a character. Um, but at the same time, making him very relatable. It was a he did a great job of like showing that tortured artist protagonist in a way that didn't feel stereotypical to me, and I think that's actually relatively rare. Um, and I think part of that was uh, the setting was well chosen as well, choosing a character from the deep south and stuff. When you think of like heavy metal, at least when I do, I don't really think of the deep south. The Deep South makes me think of like Leonard Skinner, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or like uh, like bluegrass, like country, or or Deep South rock. Like Southern rock is its very own genre because of bands like Skinner that kind of toe that line between country, bluegrass, and and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely more of a like Nine Inch Nails kind of artist, you know, and there is a huge metal scene i know in like florida and stuff but it's still not where i think of heavy metal as coming from so it's cool to show those like southern roots of metal which are very much there and very much alive and important to the culture and a a thriving area of heavy metal the deep south so yeah it was just cool to see that i haven't really seen that a lot before and on top of that i think he did a really good job with a unique presentation of a relatively tired trope well i uh, actually agree with your opening part that i do think uh joe hill is distinctly setting himself away from his father and i think you pinpointed exactly what it is and it's joe hill's pacing but i honestly think that works to his detriment rather than to his benefit stephen king kind of doing more of that slow burn horror he gets you those characters right away um and you start to really feel for the characters and then when things begin to happen to them you are more horrified because you actually like even some of the worst characters he's written you're like this is a person i would like to see them develop more but now they're going to be put through like hell as stephen king likes to do in his books and i think joe tried to sort of almost reverse that to where he gets you the action right away and then starts to sort of explore the the depth of this character in crises and it was a it was an effort i appreciated but it's it just has a bad pace in the middle his second acts drag um in the short stories i've read and in his novel that i've read this is the only novel of his i've read but it just kind of it's it was pedal to the metal 90 miles per hour and it's like that time when you're driving on the freeway and you're you take your exit and you hit this small little town i think specifically of like when we drive into shelby montana you've been on great falls interstate for for the whole for like an hour and you hit your 80 miles an hour the whole time and then you pull off the interstate and now you have to go 35 and it's like that is just so jarring and i (laughs) it was a struggle to make it through that middle section because of it because it's death macabre gore like horrifying the ghost just gets right to work and they have to figure out how to get away from it and then they get away from it and his second act is just like okay well 
now you're gonna learn about these people <laughs> it's like oh man like you could at least ease off you know that gas pedal you don't have to go from 80 to 35 you can go from like 80 to 70 then 60 then 50 and slow us down a little bit and then build us up again i think he could have just executed that a lot more efficiently than he did and that second act drags he does finish strong in the third i can't really lie on that he has a very unique kind of twist on some of the tropes like you say but if i didn't have to do like this discussion i would have probably dnf'd it because of how much he slowed down in the second act i really just struggled to care once he gave you that shot of adrenaline and then just took it away from you and you were in withdrawals in my opinion I thought it was nice the way he paced it there. And the, I like the second act and the way he developed his characters in that in that regard, because in the first act, you kind of do get like you get peddled to the metal, which keeps you in the story. But you also kind of like and I think this is important to the way the story's told. You get this like stereotypical view of these characters. And I think that's what you're supposed to get, because like when you look at a gothic person, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to pass a few judgments because they're asking for it. You know, gothic people do a lot of eccentric things with the way they look usually, you know, with the makeup and the piercings and, you know, they're doing that to stand out. Like that's part of their, that's part of their mission with that. You know, it's a statement and that's great. That's part of who they are. Um, but it's also something that will cause non-gothic people to judge them. And they're, you know, I think they're generally like, yeah, well, F you. That's kind of our whole deal, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, so those characters, you kind of see that, that painted on face of like a gothic rock star. And then you'd like, it's kind of like if you were to go on that road trip with them, you'd learn that they're people. And then when they're in it together, they're like, well, we're the only people we got to get through this. And we can't drag anyone else into it, so we better figure out how to like work together and how to like each other. And it, it kind of just reminds me of like, if you're on a team with somebody that you don't really like and you learn to like them. So, mm. And I, I felt like he did that with, with Mary Beth, you know, cause at the beginning of the book, it seemed pretty clear that he could take her or leave her. But by the end, you know, he's going to die for her. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a pretty cool transformation and, it felt realistic to me despite how quickly it, it seemed to happen i think that intention was there but i just don't think it was executed well i think it's almost the same example you get from like um found not from like jump scare horror movies you can tell when a movie is like put together well when a movie's been made an expert movie and just happens to be horror because its pacing is like leading you for towards this dreadful moment step by step by step by step and you're learning about all these things and you're kind of like feeling this progression as you go and then when it happens it's terrifying but i feel like in jump scare movies you get that boom wow ah scared and then it kind of just slows down and then you get another ah scared and then it slows down and then ah and it's like this yo-yo. And that's the thing that takes me completely out of the story is when I'm like yo-yoing my emotions. And that's kind of what it felt like in the middle is like that classic jump scare movie of, okay, yeah, I'm, I get that I'm supposed to like 
oh, the eerie music is coming. I'm going to jump out of my seat now. There it is. Okay, now we're going to go back to the high school and learn about these high schoolers and, like, why they are so scared and stuff. Cool. I'm, I checked out six jumps ago. <laughs> and I don't know. I think that, that middle section really kind of had that same kind of beer of the week. Beer of the week. Beer of the week. All right. Beer of the week. What are you drinking? Well, I'm in Cut Bank now. Hey. Yeah. So I'm also repping Cousin Louie. Yeah, Louie. Cousin Louie. <laughs> Which one? I want to you... be a man, man cub. Because uh, <laughs> I went with the, well, I decided, you know, I'm going to give Cousin Louie a chance, give him a crack at the test, at the quest, you know? Oh, you tried his IPA. I'm trying one of his IPAs. I asked which one was the least hoppy. Okay. And they gave me this one called the uh, the Grizzly. All right. Um, it also is named after the Superior uh, College of Montana. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We gotta, we're not causing that big a controversy on this show. I'm yet. saying it. I said it. <laughs> Bobcats we're, suck. We're not popular enough to start that kind of war. <laughs> Bobcats suck. <laughs> I, I mean, are either of those teams popular? In Montana. <laughs> chime, off, <laughs> chime off in the comments, y'all, if you've ever heard of the U of M or MSU. In Montana. In Montana. <laughs> the Grizzlies and the Bobcats. Who you yeah. got? All uh, right. I'm, I'm drinking the Grizzly. the Grizzly. It's an IPA from Cutbank, Montana, made by Cousin Louie. What are you drinking? I was on a... 37-hour road trip back from old Montana to Villanova, and mm -hmm. I was passing through uh, Wisconsin, and my friend, one of our listeners, Zebediah Boos, told me that I had to stop at a gas station and get New Glarus Brewing Company Spotted Cow. He said mm -hmm. it, is, it is the quintessential Wisconsin beer, so. Okay. That's what I'm drinking. Sorry, Zeb, for that accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're just we're just doing all the accents lately. Yeah, we're just gonna do it all. Here we all go, right, y'all. We're doing it. Let's see how they taste. That's not bad. No. Yeah, it's definitely not too hoppy. Hey. Yeah. Cousin Louie might have cracked the code. Yeah, he did pretty good. This isn't too hoppy. It's still a bit bitter. It's, you know, it's still like an IPA, but it's 7% and it doesn't taste like uh, aspirin, so I can I can dig it. <laughs> right on. Spotted Cow is good. It's very light. It's almost like a higher end, like a higher end Bud Light, much higher end. It's, it's definitely, it's good. It has a lot of flavor for a light beer, but it is definitely on the lighter side. But I'm sorry, Zeb, as it comes to states, quintessential beers, this one's behind Yinling. Pennsylvania's still got it. Yeah. I mean, they've been doing it longer. That is true. <laughs> By a fair yeah. margin. Um, oh, I also got to say this. Cousin Louie grows his own hops. Yeah, I saw that yeah, with that. They're on the side there. Yeah. That's awesome. So this grizzly is probably made out of those, which is pretty probably. cool. So All good right. hops, Louie. You don't listen to the show, I, I guarantee it. 
but <laughs> good job anyway. Right on. Uh, I guess because I was the one tearing down the book, I'm the one to say what I really think. And you actually almost perfectly stated what I was going to say as a defense and what I mostly believe. I do think and fully agree his pacing is totally different from Kane's. And in the same way that I actually said, it's just that I don't think it's as negative as as I said. I think it is kind of cool how it was like a deconstruction of stereotypes. That's what the whole book felt like. Yeah, it was a deconstructing horror novel, stereotypes. Yeah, like you get this. He even opens with the most like stereotypically goth thing of like Jude had a collection and it's all these like gross like yeah. horrifying items he owns and you're like oh wow this is like a really gothic guy we get it joe but yeah, then okay joe <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like the point he makes is that you you automatically form an opinion about the two leads like oh this is a rock star goth and a stripper cool and his stripper girlfriend yeah and, that, and that's like yeah and that's what you do when you see people who like stand out enough for you to stereotype them on site, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, so uh, it's cool to see that deconstructed. I liked it. It was. And like throughout the whole book, he does that and his middle does slow down, but that's because he's getting you to realize that you're, you're putting these stereotypes aside. And I thought it's cool that he puts it in the horror genre. Like you could, do, you could have done this concept in any genre, but mm -hmm. in horror, He's putting his characters in the most extreme emotional situation they can be in. So it's like, this is how these people react at their literal worst. And mm -hmm. look at that. They react like pretty decent people. And like, you have to take back all the things you automatically already thought they were going to be. And right. I think that was really cool. I enjoyed that a lot. And you, yeah, like you said, you get to know the characters in a time of peril but he does it in a really interesting way he just like kind of peels them apart piece by piece mm -hmm. and you see where those stereotypes uh or not stereotypes but the things that cause you to stereotype them like their clothing choices their music they make their life choices in general you see where all of that came from mm -hmm. and just like every human being is just an amalgamation of events and choices that made them who they are so are these people no matter mm -hmm. where they've ended up you know and it's really interesting to see that uh kind of fleshed out yeah and to see too i really liked one more point on that before i talk about one of my other favorite things but the last point i think on that is like to see the deep regret that like jude being a character who probably if you met him in real life you'd be like he's cold calculating he'll throw anyone away like a piece of trash just because he wants to be alone and it's like yeah he does want to be alone but that doesn't mean he doesn't feel deep regret and sadness over the decisions he's made that maybe have hurt people in his past and like mm -hmm. i think that was cool almost a self-evaluation moment for me to sit back and be like do I sometimes think that a person just like will hurt someone and not care because of how they like represent themselves when in actuality they might be doing that for another reason and it's not justifiable it's not like you can't you can't say like oh that was okay it's still not okay but it it makes you relate a little more to a person better when you know that they're going home and also feeling that regret and pain and like 
oh yeah that puts them on a level with everyone every time i felt that as well well and he did a good job of that with the florida character because you spend most of the book believing like jude's side of of that story mm-hmm. where and i think he i think that's because jude has spent most of his since he broke up with her convincing himself that what he did was justified you mm-hmm. know but he didn't really think about where he was sending her back to and he didn't really think about that she was a person that really needed help and mm-hmm. he was just honestly just too selfish to help her you know mm-hmm. but he definitely like regretted it and it was still interesting because when you saw how the how it actually went down jude didn't even look like nearly as bad a guy as he kind of had painted himself to have been the yeah entire story his own worst critic almost yeah and i can think of oh well you know many times when i've done that to myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i ask other people like or apologize to them and they're like oh it was no big deal really mm-hmm. <laughs> um this isn't this was a big deal obviously but it you know <laughs> Sometimes you you villainize yourself as much as other people villainize you, and Joe Hill does a good job of showing us that, like through his narrative. Mm-hmm. I will say there are a couple things I didn't like so much about it. Just so I'm not like only saying good things. Uh huh. It was a bit like hypersexualized for my taste. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I mean, I know that sex is an important part of like making a page turner. Sometimes, like sex works for it makes you it makes you turn pages doesn't really matter who you are (laughs) you know um but at the same time i'm not a big fan of books that like uh lean on it super heavily Mm -hmm. and i think he leaned on it substantially less in the late second and third act like it became clear that like your focus on stereotypes the focus on hypersexuality is kind of like a um distraction and i mean i get that this is from a place of reality but it was also like so huge in the creation of who these uh women in jude's life were you know um and i mean obviously if those kinds of things happen to like a young girl then yeah it's going to shape their whole life after that hugely but like i think that it was a little bit like over sexualized at parts would be i can see that i think another problem another negative i kind of saw was what i based my whole argument around i do think it slows down a little too much even though the character work is amazing there were sections of this i never was going to dnf it but there were sections in the second act where i was like okay yep you're you're at another hotel and you're like gonna tell each other how much you love each other and take care of the dogs and okay like like oh the road trip's continuing okay (laughs) let's get to the next beat where craddock shows back up and i Mm -hmm. hated kind of thinking that and i think that was one thing i kind of felt was could have been a little improved where i don't know i feel like even in development scenes there's a lot of books i've read where they somehow keep the action going even as the development is going. They keep this this constant sort of pushing forward. And I felt like sometimes the hand was lifted off my back and I had to walk and I was like, oh man, I want the gust back. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. But I want to talk one more thing. I really liked his two sort of like defenses against the spiritual realm being dogs and music. That was That was pretty cool to me. And Mm -hmm. it kind of, 
I don't know if you got this, but I love when there's like a puzzle piece that can fit into any horror story and the dogs being like the spiritual defense. Um, I was like, oh, that would make sense in like every horror movie, why the dogs always die first and why they're always spooked and freaked out. And like, you know, there's always the dog barking outside. Then you hear the dog whimper to silence. It would be like, that's like cool like a little cool piece that he made that I could literally take to almost any horror movie mm-hmm. and be like, Oh, they had to kill the dogs because the dogs would have like gone after them in the spirit realm. And I was like, man, that's pretty neat. You know? And I like the music being like the defense against the mind control of this mundane thing that a lot of people will say like, Oh, music is just stupid and like art and pointless. But here it's not, not only is it art, it is like an actual weapon against things that we have no other weapons against. He clearly plays a bard in D and D. Yeah, he does. He's got the animal companion. He's got the music powers. But yeah, I mean, I thought that was cool as well. I was gonna bring up the dogs actually, not for the same reason. That's really cool that you noticed it in that way. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's mm-hmm. cool. I just liked that the dogs didn't just whimper to silence <laughs> um, that they were actually like a force to be reckoned with. And that was a subversion of a trope there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I mean, when I read a horror book, if there's a dog, like the first thing I think about that dog is like, well, nice knowing you Rex. <laughs> you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're done for. I already know. Um, but I didn't already know, you know, no. these dogs, mm-hmm. they were ma- major characters. Yeah. And how that they're like the last hope it, like leading into those last chapters when the final kind of showdown with craddock happens when they have the dogs with them they're like as long as we have this we're good mm-hmm. and then like the dogs die and that puts that like time stamp on their mortality they're right. like they're like okay now they're gone we have hours we had days now we have hours and we have to figure something out i will i for the audience listening major trigger warnings for this book it's definitely dark like it is it is horror gothic horror to the core and it explores a lot of very very dark themes if you're somebody who's sensitive to that totally understandable maybe don't read this um not that it isn't a good book but there's definitely some sequences that if you're somebody who has sensitive things you don't want to like look back on or read something that reminds you of them Definitely not. It's yeah, strong sexual themes, suicidal themes, lots of lots of that. Really nasty family dynamics. Yeah, I mean there were points in that that book that I have a pretty high threshold, but I was even like gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, there there were some parts where it was a little murky to wade through, um, but Joe Hill did a good job overall. Uh, the book is uh, it's a good horror horror book it is scary uh i thought it was pretty much a page turner except there like you said there's a brief section that's kind of hard but it it goes fast after and before that yeah um and yeah i'd highly recommend it thank you for the recommendation ashley thank you ashley uh yeah that seems like a show bro that's a show bro all All right. right well thank you everybody for tuning in to sinister soup uh if you have Thank you, Ashley, for the suggestion of the awesome book. Um, go check out Ashley's blog. Where's that at again, brother man? That is no beauty, just a book nerd. 
no beauty just a book nerd uh check it out also if you're browsing youtube check out how to drink for some nerdy cocktail recipes uh thank you to louie for the awesome ipa well awesomest ipa clayton's had maybe <laughs> um, well, yeah for sure and zeb for the suggestion on the spotted cow uh as always i have been one of your hosts travis vermolum i've been clay vermolum and we are both still those people bye <laughs>